You are listening to the Battle Ready Podcast. I'm here with my dad, Erwin Raphael McManus. It's good to have you here today. Uh, very sing-songy. I'm just living my life, enjoying it. I moved this weekend. Wow. I'm tired. <laughs> my legs hurt. My back hurts. I'm getting old. <laughs> 34 years old. And you know what you shouldn't do after moving? What should you not do? You shouldn't go to your friend's birthday party and stay out till four in the morning on a Sunday morning. Actually, it was a Saturday night. Saturday night, but it ended up being a Sunday morning. That's true. It was so dumb of me. I was tired. I was in bed. I was showered. I was clean. Routine, the whole thing. I was happy to be in the new house. Then I get a little text from Felipe, and he says, you're coming over to the house, right, brother? I was like, no, I don't know. It's like, it's the Frenchman's birthday, one of our friends. And I was like, okay, I'm coming over. It was great. It was great to see people. It was good to see friends and hang out and just relax. But then I looked up and it was two in the morning and I was like, people are just hanging out. And it was just in the backyard, just chilling. Nothing, no wild. He, I mean, Philippe was having his own party, but everyone else hanging out. But you end up having all kinds of conversations about spiritual things. It, it, this is the thing with Philippe. And this is what I love about him. He, he, us, and this is what he does. He, there was a, a really amazing girl uh, who works for Play Lab, our friend Anna incredible creative incredible creative community they did all of virgil stuff for like the last two years um before his passing and she when we were talking she's like what are you doing and he was like let me tell you what he does he makes my suits for my weddings and he rebrands jesus <laughs> oh wow because <laughs> he was on some cake he read some article about a pr company i guess is rebranding jesus saying that jesus oh, wow. needs a new rebrand mm, wow i don't know wow yeah Anyways, that was that. So now, you know, but when I stay out late, I made myself get up for church. I was at both services. <laughs> no excuses. All right. I don't know if I should make that confession. But <laughs> no, I was out. I, I'm just out. thinking how every time someone's life is changed by Jesus, there's a rebranding because it's a new expression of who Jesus is through that person's unique culture, personality, and essence. It's so interesting, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It really is. It's okay. Pretty, so pretty we're awesome. here. Yeah. I moved. You're kind of in an interesting move. Are you yeah, moving? We're, we're in a maybe move. You might move. We, we might move. We might not move, but everything's moving. But, it, you know, <laughs> me and Mariah were feeling this because it was like, it was like, we feel sad because you're, you might be selling your house, but we also feel happy because it's a new chapter. Yeah, we lived there for 12 years. We love that house. It's a win-win. I said, if, win if we stay, it's a win. If we move, it's a win. There's no loss for us. It's a win-win. So I'm excited. But it is interesting how your memories can attach to material things. It's so crazy. Right? Isn't it? So you can actually feel affection for a place because of the experiences you've had there. Right. And uh, it's, it's, it's a tricky thing. Yeah, we humans are very, very subtle. We are, we are subtle. Mm -hmm. And Lawrence Fudge is calling me, but I'm not picking it up. Mm -hmm. But it is interesting, right? Because we're very nostalgic and we're very sentimental. But then all those things that we're nostalgic and sentimental over, we end up just putting in the garage anyways. So <laughs> the entirety of the storage like industry, storage space, is this idea of nostalgia and sentiment. That's probably true. And then you never look at it again. <laughs> it, so maybe those are stored memories. Yeah. Mm. They're, they're really not stored items or stored clothes or stored products or stored memories and we're not willing to let go of the memories and that's why we hold on to the material and and yet we're also making new memories yeah and you know and so it, it, interesting thing about human experiences you don't have to get rid of old memories to create new memories because we have infinite storage capacity yeah and, and it is like moving in la is a game it's a, <laughs> the game of thrones 
It is a thing. <laughs> like there's, you know, there, and it's interesting because there's different moving companies based on like different cultures and race. Mm-hmm. So there's like the Salvadorians that we use. Mm-hmm. And then there's like the Salvadorians hired some Russians. And then the <laughs> Russians are kind of a little, we love Russia. Well, I don't know if we love Russia. I, we love Russian people. Yes. Maybe not Mother Russia, but like, I don't want to say that now. I feel crazy now. But the Russians are a little <laughs> slow. We worked with the Russians like two months ago. Yes, we did. So then I hired this 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 other company, Good Deeds Moving. I don't know, I'll shout them out, sure. They were actually great. And it was like these like four like black guys and they were hilarious. <laughs> hilarious, Austin. It was raining outside. It w- and it was also like the worst. I woke up and it's raining. It never rains in Los Angeles. Three hundred and fifty <laughs> other days it of the is, year. It always rains on moving day. It <clears throat> does it always rain on moving day? It just it just seems like it's it's the truth. <laughs> it rained on this moving day, and like not only am I having to like keep my house clean, like I'm trying to like clean it before mm-hmm. I move in and move out, but then I'm like now they're tracking mud everywhere, <laughs> and I'm you know I'm one of those like stressy things. But but anyways, it took over my whole weekend. But they they you know they were just funny guys. They were like actually hilarious. Like <laughs> I actually I, like I, I introduced myself. They're like, "What's your name, young man?" I was like, "Aaron." And he I said, "What's your name, sir?" And he goes, "Old school." <laughs> I said, and he was old school. I was I said, "You were you definitely have a better name than I do." And and he introduced me to everybody, and they were just they were funny guys. And at one point, I was in the, like the, one of the bathrooms. And I was picking up a trash can. And the trash can dropped and it hit the, like it hit like the toilet and then it bounced off the wall and just made a loud <laughs> now noise. It didn't do any damage. It just made a noise. And they all the the like the little guy comes in and starts yelling at everybody who dropped it. And then the, the old school said the white boy <laughs> points it at me. And I peeked my head out. I was like it was me. It was me. And he was there. All like that's fine. You hurt the, if you damage things. It's on you. <laughs> Anyways, we're here now. But I do think it's an interesting side note that what is. Um, humans attach to material things and that there it's not actually necessarily the value of that material thing it's the value that we impose on it and so sometimes the value can be a memory okay but sometimes the value can be a um a, a posturing like we we buy a certain watch because it makes us it communicates importance or wealth or we buy a certain car because it communicates something or it is interesting if to almost like diagnose why the things that we have matter to us. Right. Like the, that laptop matters to you, but it's very functional. You don't have any emotional, you know, uh, attachment to it or even value system attachment to it. I have a value system attached to it because okay. I have a new laptop that's like literally 10 times better sitting over there on oh, the wow. clothes. And I still use this one. And Austin's like, why did we buy you the, the new one? And, <laughs> and the because, is- <laughs> because I know I've transferred everything over but I just have, I like still just like the vibe of this one. So this one, the value is actually familiar, familiarity that you, yes. you know it, it knows you. Yes. <laughs> you have a relationship together. We do. I mean, it's kind of interesting, the psychology of human attachment mm. and uh, the things that we care about. And, you know, in, in my little back house where I have my office, you know, Kim, my wife, who is driving all the packing and right now if you're using the game of thrones metaphor my house is the house of dragons yeah and, uh, but uh it's insane she gets me up super early i have movers here she's the dragon <laughs> i'm not saying that just saying that she's not the house and, uh, did you but, watch last night's episode i did watch it it's so good the ending so good yeah. did you know who it was spoilers 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 no we're not gonna say we're not gonna say it but the ending <laughs> the no. thing that happens at the end no it's good 
is good. Did you know what was happening? Like, did you know that? No. It was- yeah. Is. I have to go back and watch it and reframe. There's some good foreshadowing. Can can I ask, like, if you don't know Game of Thrones, House of Dragons, are you more house green or house black? I'm I'm definitely black. Which 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 character? I don't have a character that I like the most yet. Okay. And I have characters I don't like. Okay. And all the characters I don't like are in house green. (laughs) And so I just say that. Okay. And if you don't watch Game of Thrones, it's really, it is interesting because most stories are good versus evil. This might be evil versus evil. This might be not sure what they are against not sure what they are, Mm -hmm. which is why sometimes writing can be incredibly subtle and powerful. Um, You know, growing up, I'm older than you guys. writing, Writing was always really clear, black against white. In fact, if it was a, it was. It was. It, it, cowboy movies. The good guys were white. The bad guys were black. And that it caused seventy years of issues. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it. it and but it was. It was a very black and white world. You had the good guys and the bad guys. It seems like Pulp Fiction kind of blurred all that and flipped everything upside down. But um, but I think now what you have is a more interesting and honest stories uh, storylines where good people have bad sides to them. And bad people have good sides to them. And even though we don't want to acknowledge that as being real, that's more real to life. Mm-hmm. And the subtlety of that is when someone can actually capture you and you're watching the bad guy, but you still identify with them because you realize there's things about you that are also true in that person. Mm. And you're watching the good guy and you want him to be more pure, but when you see the inconsistencies, it also speaks to you because you know the inconsistencies in your own life. Mm-hmm. And um, but anyway, but I want to go back to um, what was the metaphor, original metaphor that you were trying to? I was actually talking about moving. And, oh yeah, uh, and and how you're in the back house. Yeah, no, and uh, and she wanted to move all my paraphernalia, and all my sports stuff, all the stuff I have from the comics. Yeah, uh, not just my comics, but also my Clipper stuff, the Dodger stuff. The, yeah, uh, you know that the signed Broncos helmet I have when I was up there speaking and. And for Kim, there is zero emotional attachment to anything in my back house. She would sell it or burn it or give it away. Yeah. But for me, everything in that back house has like deep emotional meaning. That to me is really the fascinating thing about um, human beings and material things. Yeah. For one thing, it can have incredible value. For another person, it has no value at all. And I think a really great diagnostic to go through in your own life is occasionally sit back and ask yourself, why do these things matter to me? Should they matter to me? And is it time to let go of these things? Where do, I, I, I don't really have anything I'm attached to. No, you actually- I have nothing I'm attached to. You sold your car? Sold my car, sold, sold my house. Yeah, you, yeah you, you pretty much are starting over again. I have a photo of you and me from when, we were, when I was really little, a memory I don't remember. It was in the snow in Dallas that I keep in my wallet. Mm-hmm. I, have an, I have the master copy in in a spot in my house and i have like an old teddy bear from when i was i gave you when you were like two years old yeah, three years old named theodore and I, the rest of it could burn and i really don't care like i don't care at all i don't i don't i don't have any i don't think i have any do, do you think i have any no just, you actually have very few if any material attachments that have emotional sentiment to you that's a problem huh it's not a problem. I think it's really great that you're more you're so minimal. You were kind of like that though when you were, when you were younger. I was completely like that when I was your age. So what switched? 
life. You start having deep, profound memories. Um, you I know. had deep, profound memories. Yeah. I would like to keep my mind. <laughs> you know. No, but it's like I, I, some of it is that, that there are symbols of different experiences in life that somehow along the way became meaningful to me. Yeah. That's yeah. where I am like yeah. mom, though. But mom likes her own stuff. She's very nostalgic of her own stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She that's why she has but a she storage. She has unit. no value for anything she's not nostalgic for. Yes, she will throw it out in a blink of an eye. <laughs> <laughs> but I would say that I treat things that I own well. Yeah, like I do take care of them well. You know, mm-hmm. like Mariah is so good at living in things. Like if it's nice, she'll just wear it and like destroy it and make it a part of her life. Mm-hmm. If if it's nice for me, I may never wear it. <laughs> I may like, oh, that's really nice. Like no, I have to like. That's where you would confuse me. You'd buy me this really great pair of shoes for my birthday or Christmas, and then you'd get mad if I wore them. <laughs> you'd no, say, no, no, no. don't wear those. No, no. You <laughs> wore you wore the UNC Chapel Hill Virgil Abloh mm-hmm. the Jordans, the off-white Jordans. You wore them walking around one day, and I like got mad at you. And I was like, just so you know, when you do that thing of like, hey, Aaron, give me another one of these, I can't get them. And you were like, like, what do you mean you can't get them? And I'm but like, But you did not get those. What do you mean? Those you are, got those. No, they were a gift from Kevin Liu. And I was a reminder of the <laughs> gift should not be worn as much as you're wearing them. <laughs> now I have not worn them at all because I'm so afraid to wear them. So there has but, to be a fine line between. <laughs> there is an interesting connection, though, from yeah. like value and mm-hmm. understanding value. Yeah. So the value we give something and the value that that maybe uh, the item carries. Yeah. And I would say I'm like a, um, a contradiction. When, when other people tell me something is valuable, it's irrelevant to me. Mm. But when I have an, an experience with it, it has incredible value to and, me. And that was the issue with those shoes. I was like, they I have, have great value. I know me. you really loved them. Yes, I just didn't understand how rare they were. Yeah, and I was like, you're going to blow through these shoes because, you know, they're not made any better than normal Nikes. They're just, if anything, they're going to fall apart faster because mm-hmm. they're like, you know, one-offs or, you know, special, special items. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I, there's no way I can get them. They're worth like 20 grand now. And you got them. You got like, it's crazy. They're like stocks. He got them when they were just come out and they weren't like that. And they were a gift from like a friend who does shoes, yeah. shoe dealer. So they're free to me. They're free. And they cost yeah. him very little. And right? he he actually got them at a discount, I think. And or actually. No, he, yeah. got, he got them because he's on the list. Yeah. And the Nike list. Yeah. It was before they even had any value other than just market value. But they no, they no, at the time I showed you, they were, uh, they were a grand. Which was ridiculous. Which was like, if you could get them for a grand again, I'd be like, this is like Bitcoin. Like I'd Absolutely. try to buy five of them. Now they're just sitting in a box. And I told How Kim today, I said, don't touch these boxes right here. Right. <laughs> you know? But it's just like, sort of like my comic books. I mean, I cannot tell you how many comic books have been thrown away, given away when she didn't realize that mm. they were worth a lot of money. And I mean, cause I got some priceless comic books when I was in India and I paid 25 cents for them, 50 cents a dollar. And, you know, and then I came back to the States and they're worth, you know, yeah, a great deal more. Yeah. So sometimes it's about finding value that other people don't value. Mm-hmm. And, but I, but I think that's a part of the fun of life too, is like also like creating things that have value. You know, I think yeah. that's really important, which is why I love experiences. Experiences are something you can't sell to someone else. Like once you've, your experience, like you've had an experience, and I love one-time experiences. I love the fact that there's certain things that if you were there, you were there. And if you're not, you are not. Mm-hmm. I like that, that. Yeah, I just think it's really special. Because right now with the internet and with YouTube and everything else, 
you can watch something a thousand times over again. It could almost lose its intrinsic value. And um, I love when there are events and you go, no one else is going to experience this except the people in this room. Yeah. It's yeah. is, is pretty rare. It's pretty rare. And it's really beautiful too. You know, I think experiences are phenomenal. It's, it is interesting though, because I'm not someone who like craves experiences. Like mm -hmm. I'm going to a show tomorrow and I'm going to see Zach Bryan, who's a country artist. Wow. You're becoming a country guy. Not really. I don't think so. I would not say that. <laughs> I, I, I like Tyler Childers and I like Zach Bryan. And the he fact, wants to buy a pickup truck. And sometimes Morgan Wallen, but that's mostly out of convenience. But the fact that you even know those names and I recognize them. <laughs> yeah, but you wouldn't. Yeah, but yeah. Okay. But I'm going to go see the him tomorrow. I'm really excited. But I was also supposed to go see Fred again in New York yesterday. I was, like, I was supposed to go back and finish up some stuff. There's an artist called Fred again. He's like a DJ. And my friends were there sending Country me videos. Country DJ? No, no, he's he's like eating. No, he's like house music, like a British producer. Country house. But like, if you haven't listened to Fred again, Fred again's amazing. Oh. If you haven't listened to Zach Bryan, Zach Bryan's amazing. Okay. And it's like one of those things, though. It's like we have intrinsic value for two separate worlds. Like, mm -hmm. I know that my friends who like Fred again will judge me if I were to post about Zach Bryan, <laughs> and my friends who like Zach Bryan would probably not get that Fred again is like a vibe and like this mm -hmm. something they should listen to. So like the value to be able to see, or I guess the ability to see value in two different things is I think yeah. unique, right? Yeah. We have to be able to see value in things that people don't see value in. Hmm. That's true. And, I mean, and not just in things, but yeah. in people. And yeah. I think that's the really the big thing, right? Yeah. Is that like when you have friend groups, and I look at the, I look at this a lot because I think when I was younger, it was very true, and I think now it's very different. But like people like they value what they like. Yes, they value what they understand. They value what feel makes them feel comfortable. It's why this country is in such a crazy place, right? Mm -hmm. We have such a hard time valuing the other person and their opinions, yeah. their understandings, their culture, their race, their background. Um, but if you can like break that barrier mm -hmm. of value, it changes everything. If you can see across the aisle of of human race and understanding, and you know even just the optics, and it was really interesting yesterday because we were at Mosaic. And something happened and Eric Roy was like a little frustrated or something, but it was a good frustrated thing. He was pointing something out. I and mean, we were trying to find someone and and this this sweet girl on the, the welcome team comes up to, to Eric and goes, hey, Eric, are you Korean? And C Eric looks Korean, but he's also 6'4", so I understand mm -hmm. we're like that. That variable <laughs> might throw off your heritage. And he, he was like, uh, I am, like, what's up? And we didn't know this person on the welcome yeah. team. And she said, there's someone from Korea um, and I wanted to connect her with more Koreans. Well, and I were like, why? And she was like, she speaks more Korean than English. She didn't, she didn't oh, speak okay. English. So she's like asking. And, yeah. and, 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 and I know Eric isn't that kind of Korean. No. <laughs> you know, like he carries the culture of Korean culture, but he doesn't have the language. Yeah. And I was like, hey, I actually need Eric. We got to go. And so I told him who to connect her to, someone who does speak Korean. And, and, mm -hmm. and then Eric's like, thank you so much. Because <laughs> yeah. the value for him is like more in his culture and not necessarily in the language. I think if he had the time, he would love to do it. But yeah. it, it's an interesting thing. Like you can see value in different. Just because it's your heritage doesn't mean it's your culture. Yeah. It's just like Austin St. John. Was that English? Is that British? I honestly don't know. Or he doesn't know. He's called he's Kansas City. Oh, okay. Because I was like, cause just because your ancestors may be British doesn't mean you speak English. And, <laughs> but... <laughs> I'm just. I don't kidding. know if that one works. <laughs> <laughs> that like that one. That one doesn't work. No, no. Okay. No. 
Well, I, I guess it's true with others. You just thought he would know because you, but you have, a, you have, you hold to a high value knowing where you come from and it messes with you. It is odd. It's like you have an, you do have a little bit, we've talked about this, you do have a little bit of an obsession of where you came from. It's because I, I don't know. You know up until a certain point. Yes. And then it gets hazy. Yeah. <gasps> Did I tell, sorry, I got excited. Did I tell you that the guy who was installing, like I had a security system at this house and I don't know the password, so I had to call the company to like, mm -hmm. hey, can you come reset it? Yeah. So the guy came, this guy named Joe, and he's like an older guy from LA, and mm -hmm. he, you know, he was coming over and looking at everything, and he's like, are you related to the McManuses um, from Culver City? And I was like, huh? Like, is that a thing? <laughs> and I forgot there's a McManus Street in Culver City. Mm -hmm. That's right. And I was like, there's a McManus family. It's more than a McManus street. It's actually a McManus region. It shows up on Google. Right. He said, yeah. And there is a McManus family. And the family still lives on McManus in Culver City. Oh, my gosh. Because there's like a whole like clan down there that lives still in the McManus little area. I'd love City. to meet them. Even though I'm I'll only them. a McManus by alias. But well, then uh, I started going into our background. Yeah. Going yeah. like, my name's not really my name. Yeah. He's like, what? I don't understand. And then I was like, me neither. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I got a little obsessed for a while. I think my paternal DNA has a particular marker. And so the highest concentration at that time looked like it was an island called Santorini and outside of Greece. So I flew with my wife, Kim, and went to Santorini and spent a few days there. Just Did it help you? Did you find what you were looking for? No, but it was beautiful. <laughs> no, but like, on a, like did, you, did you feel something different being around people that you felt they look like you? The problem was that there were no native people there they're all tourists <laughs> so i realized that they're all know, in culver city now <laughs> but not the mcmanuses no no your bloodline. no my bloodline yeah, yeah my actual dna which you know i'm not fully sure you know i know i'm iberian and uh and so that's, that's iberian like the ham <laughs> like iberian ham yep iberian ham so it's yeah. a region of spain right uh, or portugal yeah portugal that makes sense you look kind of like gladiator like Maximus. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I think there is a a human need to know where you come from. I think it's connected to our identity. Cool. And when that's lost, you have to then build your identity and who, where you're going. So I, my question is, why do we value that so much? Uh, well, I don't know if everyone values it as much, but I do think there is a value for it. And there's a pretty common denominator yeah. in the fact that, like, you have these ancestry.org, mm -hmm. you have these 23andMe, you have all these different tests yeah. to understand and learn where you come from. Yeah. Yeah, and one of the most powerful series when I was growing up was by Alex Haley uh, that was called Roots that actually took the um, black experience all the way back to Africa. And... Um, I do think there is a, I think where it comes from is our need for identity. Okay. To know who we are. Right. And there's a misconception that we can know who we are outside of the context of community. Yeah. We cannot really know who we are outside of community. That's how we come to know who we are. You're talking and, in a, a, in a very like current sense, but I'm asking why is it so important for us to understand who we are in a, in a, like an historical sense? Why is, why does it matter that we came from somewhere? I don't know if I really have an answer for that, why it matters where we came from historically, but I do think it's fascinating. And I think 
You know, it's it's just like when I would hear things like, oh, my real father spoke a half a dozen languages or more, and he read an immense number of books. And they, I went, oh, maybe that, that tells me something about me. Right. You, mm. you know, and, and so it's not even so much wanting to learn about him as wanting to know, did something pass on to me from him? Right. You, you know, or and I think people who are connected to their family lines five, six, seven generations back. I think they they've been given a real gift or something really special there. Didn't we go? We went to a soccer yeah. game with with um, one of Paulo's friends. Yes, who ten generations at Harvard. Yeah, <laughs> ten generations of Harvard. It's so crazy too because you know you meet people from Harvard and no offense, but like they're terrible, <laughs> like the worst people in the world. Like Aaron. Well, there's there's worse people. <laughs> I'm sure. But, and not everyone from Harvard is not. I haven't met everyone from Harvard. So I haven't polled. I've only polled the people I've met. Every time I'm with people, I'm like, oh, I'm so glad I didn't go to Harvard. And also, I'm so wishing I'm not here. <laughs> but two lovely people that the man that we went to the soccer game with. He was really great. Yeah. Yeah. And Tomei is amazing, too. Yeah. Who wrote Children of Blood and Bone. Mm -hmm. She went to Harvard. She went to Harvard. I told her, I was like, you're the first lovely person I've met from Harvard. And I think she thought of me as like, well, that's why, because you didn't go to Harvard. I was like, yeah, probably is why. I think that there are probably a lot of amazing people came out of Harvard. You just haven't had a chance to meet them yet. So I don't know. If you are listening and you went to Harvard, send us a comment. But anyways, uh, we, met, we know you're amazing. We met the guy who was 10th generation <laughs> Harvard. Yeah. And this is the crazy thing. This is his story to tell, not ours, but he was pretty open with it. We had never met him before. Mm -hmm. He goes, you know, um, you know, the statue of John Harvard, the famous one at Harvard's campus. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. You heard the story, right? Mm -hmm. You told me this while you were in the restroom. Yes. And he and I was like, yeah. And he goes, uh, that that statue. And if you remember the movie Social Network, it's one of like when they're rushing the fraternity or the whatever the the mm -hmm. what are they called the the clubs, the special clubs that yeah. they're rushing that Mark Zuckerberg wanted to be a part of so oh, bad. Yeah. yeah. Um, when they're rushing it, Eduardo, they ask one of the questions like, who is this statue of? And one of the guys says, mm -hmm. uh, it's John Harvard. And he goes, false. And he goes, that's uh, the sculptor who sculpted the statue of John Harvard, who got commissioned, actually made the the likeness of his friend from Harvard and not John Harvard. And then just yep. said it's John Harvard. <laughs> and that guy who it's actually a, like uh, cast about cast about. No, made to in reflection of the image of. Yeah. Is this guy's great, 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 great grandfather. This Pray is the guy man. related to the actual guy who is the statue. <laughs> But it's like not what, John Harvard. What a what a what a what a moment. Yeah, I see. I think that kind of legacy is amazing. It is amazing. You know, and uh, but uh, you know, I, I probably have ten generations of criminal criminal enterprises in front of her. You know, and uh, but I'd still like to know. I'd still like to know. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about a couple of things. Yes. First of all, let's talk about um, the tragedy of the L.A. Dodgers against the Padres. We. We're already deep into this episode. You really want to break my heart right before we're going to end this episode. Well, I, I don't really want to talk about sports, but I do want to talk about a important psychological phenomenon okay. of, of um, being fully present. This really hurts. You, you know, one of the things that you... No, you have, to, you have to set the stage. All right. Dodgers won, what, 111 games in the regular season? Yep. Like and, five games away from breaking the record. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the Padres won like 25 games less. Yep. Yep. 
And they had one of their star players, Tatis Jr., banned for 80 games, like one of the biggest bannings in So you basically have the team baseball. with the best record going in with teams with the worst record into the playoffs. I don't think they would have been one of the worst. For, in the playoffs. Yeah, who qualified for the playoffs. Yeah, probably. I think the Padres would have been in the wild card. Right. So it would be the best against the worst. Okay. Yeah. And um, In the playoffs. In the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And the Dodgers get eliminated. Was it 3-1? Three three to one. One. Yeah. So it wasn't even close. I mean, they didn't even put up a fight. We No, 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 no. We put up a fight and some mismanagement, some bad pitching, some errors. Mm -hmm. We blew it. We were up 3-0 at the 6th. Yeah. Like yeah. Seventh even. Seventh. Seventh? Yeah. They hit in the seventh? Yeah. I just was watching this 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 game freaking out, being like, there's no way we're going to blow this. And then yeah. they switched pitchers, and it was all over. Let me tell you, the reason why sports are an important um, subset of life to look at and understand and examine. Okay. Because I, I know some people go, I'm not interested in sports. But sports gives us an environment to understand human psychology. Okay. Because you have people who are the top in their field in a high um, pressure cooker environment. Okay. Either excelling and achieving or actually falling apart and underachieving. And there's even phrases in sports that are really important, like um, coaches telling their players, um, we don't want to look ahead to the next game. Like when you ask coaches, you know, what's the goal? They go, uh, we're taking it one game at a time. It yeah. sounds like a cliche. Yeah, yeah, but they're, what they're actually saying is we're not going to look ahead. We're going to make sure that we're fully present. Yeah, because they know that if the best player in the world or the best team in the world, yeah, doesn't show up fully present, they're going to lose. Well, maybe Dave Roberts was saying that because he knew there wasn't going to be a next game. He's like, don't look to the next game. <laughs> there ain't going to be one. Well, I don't think that's what was he was thinking, <laughs> and, uh, but. There is definitely a psychological um, dynamic that happens in people's lives where uh, they think they're untalented or they think they don't have enough talent. Mm -hmm. They think they don't have enough intelligence or enough um, experience or enough of something, enough skill. But actually, it's not that they don't have enough of something. Mm -hmm. It's that they're not bringing enough of themselves. Okay. And when you actually can enter into a moment fully present, it changes the dynamic of that moment. Yes. And I think the Dodgers versus the Padres is a perfect example of a team that showed up, the Padres, that was fully present, and a team that was considered more talented, more gifted, more skilled, um, more experienced even in that uh, with all the wins, and they did not show up. Yeah. And when you have a team that does show up, they're, when they're fully present, they have a clear, distinct advantage over a team that is not fully present. And you see that all the time in sports. But what we don't realize is that it happens every day in real life where you may be wondering why you're not getting the promotion or why you're not achieving or why you're not achieving your full potential. You may be even frustrated thinking, I'm so talented, why am I not accomplishing more? And it may have nothing to do with your talent. It may have everything to do with your capacity to be fully present in the moment. And we talked about that yesterday. Uh, in South Pasadena at Mosaic about the power of being fully present and how in some ways, uh, and being bifurcated may be an understatement, but some of us have a part of us still in the past and a part of us in the future. And so only a part of us is actually present in this moment. 
And, and that's why sometimes you can be in a situation and you can be in a conversation with someone and you don't even realize you're not listening anymore. And they look at you and go, where are you? But it's not really where are you as a place, it's where are you as a time. When we are not present in a moment, we're usually in the past thinking about something that we've experienced or we're daydreaming about the future, something we want to experience. Hmm. And what you find is the very best of the best have this unique ability to not just have their body present in that moment, but their entire essence is present. Their mental acuity is present. Their psychological um, strength is present. Their, their emotional well-being is present. And when you're fully present in that moment, that's when you become powerful. If you're listening to this and you play on the Dodgers, you have a problem. You have a problem. You need to be present. It's too late for them, but they have next year. They need to be present and feeling how bad I feel and how bad this city feels. No, I love the Dodgers. And, I, you know, it's one of those things because you could watch it. You could watch it happening. You could watch the fact that they were reacting to what was going on in the game versus setting the pace of what was going on in the game. Mm -hmm. And everyone has days. And I think the issue, yeah. though, is that everyone has those days and everyone has those moments where you kind of where things just don't work out. Yeah. You know, the errors happen, mistakes happen, um, whether it's you or someone a part of the team and you win a big game or you lose a big game, right? And I think this situation is that they have a pattern of not being present. Yeah. They have a pattern of losing in situations that they should be winning in, that they yeah. do so incredibly well when the stakes almost aren't there yeah. during the regular season. Yeah. And then once you get to the postseason, they fall apart. Mm -hmm. And it's a slow falling apart. It's like there's only these like little things, right? Because you still need everything you've learned in the past. And that's the tricky thing, right? It's like yeah. you need to know all of the things you've learned. All You need all those tools, mm -hmm. all the patience that you've developed, all of the maturity. But the reality is that like, like coffee, like wine, like food, it's almost hard to extract the purity of something, like mm -hmm. the pure uh, like metabolic nature of something that you need. You're mm -hmm. always going to get something that you don't need as well. Mm -hmm. So it's how do you like, does that make sense? It's how yeah. do you filter out the things you don't need in bringing it into the present from the past? Yeah. In in some sense, the Dodgers had both the past and the future yeah. working against them. Yeah. They had the past working against them because they thought the 111 wins guaranteed them this win. Yeah. They had the future working against them because they were already preparing for the World Series. Yeah. The Padres, because no one had greater expectations of them, didn't have the future working against them. No, I think when they got the ban, they all thought, oh, they make a playoff run, yeah. but there's no way they're going to go very far. Mm -hmm. And they didn't have the pass working against them because they were the last team to make the playoffs. Yeah. So all they had was the present. All they had was that moment to prove their mettle. Or, or no, because they had a lot of past to destroy the moment. So what is different between the Padres going, I'm going to strip away the ban. There's obviously some rumors that people are juicing an organization or they're not smart enough to like work through like the medical team, which usually these players are smart enough. They know, you know, or I don't know, maybe they don't know. Yeah. So there's, I'd say it's the other way. It's like they're working from a, at a deficit. They could have been. It's about how you relate to the past and the future and, and how you decide to be fully present whether you decide to be fully present in that moment. And so, yes, you could have said, oh, the, 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 the Padres had to deal with the deficit of their past if they were still living in the past. Right. What they were able to do, and that is great managing, 
is that that moment, the past didn't matter and the future didn't matter. You can know in that moment. And, and here's how you know if you're fully present. You pay attention to the details. When you're fully present, you actually see the details that matter. When you're not fully present, there's still talent, there's still experience, there's still skill, but you miss the details, and it's details that kill you. Mm. And so it's not that the Dodgers didn't play well. It's not that they didn't have great moments. It's not that people didn't at moments bring their best. It's that they lost the series in the details. Because they, because when they're fully present, the Dodgers were the best at the details. Hmm. And when they're absent, you could see it break down in the details. Wow. Yeah, that's that is uh, my explanation of the Dodgers Padres series. But it's also for me my assessment of what is needed in life. When I'm fully present, it's amazing how everything inside of me works right in that moment. When I, I'm communicating, when I'm speaking on a platform and I'm fully present, I can't even explain how everything comes that moment. When I'm not fully present, I'm actually thinking about something at home while I'm speaking. Yeah. Or I'm thinking about the problem while I'm speaking. Or I'm thinking about what am I going to say next while yeah. I'm speaking because I'm yeah. not fully present. Yeah. And it still may be effective, but I know I'm not at an, at an optimal level. It's interesting. Talk about like being detailed and being present. Yeah. The, the, well, the details of um, the Jordan Poole contract came out. Yeah. Golden State Warriors. And he got paid. He did get paid. He got paid. Mm -hmm. I did, did you see the the thing, the TikTok I sent you from Bill Simmons? Oh, yes, I did. Talking about that he probably got paid maybe an extra $10 million, Yeah. More than what they probably could have gotten away with paying him because of the Draymond hit. Yeah, the punch was the cushion. <laughs> <laughs> but that Draymond also hasn't gotten he his got extension. Paid. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And Wiggins did though, right? Wiggins got paid too. Wiggins got paid. Like got, they're both making 30, 35 mil a year, I yeah. think. Yeah. And the Warriors crazy. are so over the luxury tax. Yeah. I so, think it's a four hundred million dollar tax. So four hundred and thirty-nine. They're two hundred mil over, yeah. which then it, I guess it's fifty mil for every like twenty-five or something. So But here's where the system's wrong. Yeah. All of those players were drafted by the Warriors. You should not be paying a luxury tax when you draft and develop your own players. You should only be paying a luxury tax when you're stealing players from other teams, when you're having to go secure talent that other like teams super, develop. Super team stuff. Yeah. yeah See, yeah. I actually think that if a, if a team drafts and develops their own players, they should be exempt from the luxury tax hmm. because they built their talent internally. You should be affirming that yeah. and rewarding that. Yeah, because also like yeah. Golden State, you would you would have you would have thought them a B city team. Yeah. Before you know they're in yeah. San Francisco, Golden State, but like you would have never thought, like yeah. like they're Lakers level. Right. But when you build that type of notoriety from winning that many championships, going to the playoffs that many times in a yeah. row with guys that you recruited, with guys who no one else wanted to pick, because you know one of those situations they got Steph Curry at ankle injuries for four years he was at <laughs> Davidson he was a small guard yeah. he was underweight you know and then you have Draymond Green like his stat sheet's so pretty average and even yeah. at Michigan it was pretty bad and then you got these guys who became superstar level yeah. you should be able to grow your the, the franchise is growing financially these players are growing financially yeah. you should be able to hey the farm gets bigger so we can pay them more then if mm -hmm. they go but then should there be an issue because they're not they're they're, they're the luxury tax issue, right? Mm -hmm. But then they're bringing other guys from other teams, and that becomes an issue as well that they got to pay. 
You know, Wiggins didn't. Wiggins isn't drafted by them. They got no, them in the D'Angelo Russell. About, they have about eight players, I think, that they developed. They drafted and developed. I'm sure. Yeah. I yeah. Know. All I know is yeah. Draymond, Steph, Clay. Those are the three that matter. Mm -hmm. Pool, but Pool was on G League. So I don't no, know if they. Yeah, he was them. in their. Uh, G their League. G League. Okay. And so he is. He's definitely. And remember, 219. Pool was a G League guy who looked. He had no talent. True. Yeah, he looked very normal. And yeah. now he's a guy, you know, making bank. Under 40 million over yeah. four years, three years. Yeah. Anyways. Okay. Yeah. So this is it. We're wrapping up the pod. It's been a great day. We talked about identity. We talked about value. Any two subjects we can go into deeper in yeah. the future. And what can we talk about on Patreon? I think the Patreon needs to talk about what were we going to talk about? We were going to talk we're about top of the seven frequencies of communication. No, we were going to talk about um no, we were going to talk about uh the the the, the self-destruction of masculinity. Oh, the deterioration of masculinity. The, yeah, the, and, the deterioration of masculinity. In, in, in modern society. I don't think we're going to go into that. I think I think we, we never got to seven frequencies. How did we never get there? We just never got there. Frick. I guess we're on a different frequency today. Shoot. We need to talk about it. Well. We can't talk about it now. It's over. Okay. We'll pick it up next week. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, rate and review the podcast. Thank you guys for listening. We love you guys so much. Uh, we're so grateful for you. Uh, we have a new thing. It's Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash battle ready podcast. There's episodes you can't get anywhere else there. We privately privately release them. We do some Q&As. We do some other different things, some polls. It's like your direct line to us, and it helps us support this podcast. Um, I want to shout out Brooke Odom, who's actually at the Dove Awards. Yes. Um, with Mariah McManus-Goss and Carlos Plimentel and her husband, Andy Andres mm -hmm. Fig. And it's, I think it's tonight, so we'll find out if they win. So Nominated next, for Dove Award in, in Espanol. Espanol. And uh, we're so proud of them. And that's what spurred the, the conversation at the end of the thing. We'll talk about that another time. All right, guys, we love you. See you next week.